Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez. And in this segment, we are going to have round two with Mike Holiday. He's one of my favorite people to talk to. He is a philosopher, he does tours in India, and most of all, he is a Vedic astrologer, and he's very well-versed in medical astrology. And so he and I are having a discussion about medical astrology today, but I do want to give the heads up that we recorded this a few months ago, and so he discusses a course that he was doing in June, which it filled up, obviously June has passed, but I do recommend going to mikessleepingdog.com or keeping up with him to know when his next training modules are going to be. They sound incredibly extensive and informative and wonderful. So again, his website is Mike's Sleeping Dog, and I'm going to include all of his contact information in the show notes. So if you listen to this and you want to learn more about him, go to the show notes and you can find links to his social media, to his website, et cetera. So again, I really hope that you enjoy this segment. The last thing that I'll say is we are discussing medical astrology, which can sometimes be a little nerve wracking for people. And so we discussed this in the podcast. If you think that you have a health issue, definitely see a doctor. You can consult with an astrologer. Um, Try not to diagnose yourself, especially if you're newer to astrology, because you might just freak yourself out. So there are always so many different um, elements involved when it comes to predicting health issues. And so if you have one or two things that we mentioned, it's not going to guarantee a health issue. Again, if you have a health issue, go to the doctor. If you think you might with astrology and you have no symptoms, seeing an astrologer might help bring some clarity around that. So I hope that that was helpful. And I hope that you enjoy this segment with Mike. He's very uh, wonderful and fun to talk to. So I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. All right. So welcome back, everyone. I'm so excited to have Mike Holiday on yet again to continue our discussion on medical astrology in Vedic astrology. And so, Mike, thank you so much for coming back again. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Uh, like I said, great fun the first time. So. Yeah. I got so much good feedback on the first one and people were like, I just wanted more. And I was like, I'll ask. So (laughs) great, great. Here I am. Yeah. So something that I was thinking about recently, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this is, um, well, I mean, I guess this kind of goes into Ayurveda. So I'm going to try to really stick to Vedic astrology, but people who have like Mars in the first house or Mars in the sixth house, it could also be the sun in the first house, sun in the sixth. They have this tendency to overheat. And there's like a lot of heat in the body and a lot of heat in their physical composition. And I was wondering, I've, you know, when Rahu particularly transits over these planets or over these houses, it's almost like um, people will will experience more rashes or um, something to do with the blood, Uh, again, overheating. I'm just curious to hear what you've seen with, with like a transit of Rahu over one of the hotter planets. Well, I tend to, when it comes to medical astrology, I tend to stick much more with the person's own chart and their dasha periods. Okay. Um, even I noticed in my own chart, I've got a lot of, lot of heat, a lot of, lot of pitta. Mm-hmm. And I can sometimes, I can almost tell the weather when I have a, a sun period coming up. Um, and I know, I kind of know summer's coming up anyways, but oh, well, it looks like next week's going to be really hot because mm-hmm. I also have a sun period. Mm. Um, but it certainly would be 
it would certainly make sense that a transit of Rahu over um, the sun could cause some bone problems also, oh, okay. um, or some heat, these kind of things. Okay. And especially Pitta, people especially related with the Mars Pitta, uh, blood toxicity is kind of a problem anyways. Okay. Um, so road transit would, would certainly increase that. Okay. Or the likelihood of it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And so the Rahu transits, from what I've noticed, they can bring like some health issues again. Like it, it can bring like... Um, rashes has been a big thing. I've also seen addiction be something that people struggle with with Rahu. It could be transit or in their personal chart. Um, and then something that you had mentioned last time is that K2 can bring like a numbness or um, kind of like, you know, tingling sensation, that feeling of numbness in our limbs. I think that something we had mentioned last time was difficulty diagnosing. So I guess my question is, when reading about medical astrology, a lot of the time, sometimes astrologers tend to lump Rahu and K2 together. And so I'm curious to hear your biggest way of like distinguishing the two. And that could be through a birth chart or through transit in terms of like what they could bring medically. Well, basically in, in very simple terms, Rahu is going to bring excitement whatever he touches by by um whether it's in the main chart or transit or aspects as well uh and ketu is going to to bring the opposite he's going to bring some ambivalence or some numbness to whatever he touches right so so wherever wherever rahu is that's where all of our focus is going to go to that rahu where the excitement is we're going to turn and face that way, and Ketu will be behind us, more or less. Mm -hmm. um, so, like this, a lot of times we don't we don't even notice Ketu, or we don't notice where he is. Um, this is why when Ketu is in sixth house, these people usually um, they're kind of they're not very connected to their illnesses. Mm. They don't really notice that they're sick. They might know that oh, it's no big deal, but they're not really paying attention to that Ketu. Their, their focus is on Rahu. What about Rahu in the sixth? Rahu in the sixth. Um, <laughs> Rahu, Rahu in the sixth, he can bring a hypochondriac for one thing, um, but oftentimes they're also very fascinated with healing and these kind of things. But the way they heal or the way they tend to solve or approach problems is to make them worse in a way. Um, make them worse and then fix them. In a way, it's like also like alternative healers are sometimes seen with Rahu in the six. Mm -hmm. So I think of acupuncture, for example, and dry needling. Um, and so this kind of an acupuncturist, what they're going to do is they're going to, you have a sore muscle they're gonna put that needle in the muscle and give it a lot of stimulation and it's gonna hurt like crazy. Mm -hmm. But then when they pull the needle out, oh wow, that, oh, I feel much better now, oh, that's wow. good. Mm -hmm. right? That is so fascinating. That's so, so, so interesting because with the Rahu and the Six, I've definitely seen the hypochondria 100%. 
I, I've seen um, people who have things that are difficult to diagnose, like things will come up and it will be strange and it will freak them out because they're hypochondriacs, but then it disappears like as quickly as it came. That's definitely something that I've seen. But the tend to make it worse is just so interesting. Like using the example of acupuncture in terms of like using this sharp object to stimulate and then getting a result. That is, um, I mean, we could also think about maybe the chiropractor as well. Like they go in and they like pop the joints or like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. I'm going to pay more attention to that. I love that. And, um, so speaking of healers and people who are interested in alternative healing, um, what are some, like, what would you look for for that to see natural healers? Of course, the sixth house and seeing activity in the sixth house, but maybe what are some other things in a birth chart that you might notice? Planets in Ashwini, just about any time you see, a, a, especially a natural healer or an alternative kind of healer, planet in Ashwini is very strong. Um, similar to Rahu in the sixth, you'll maybe get a Rahu in Gemini for alternative healing as well. Um, so these kind of things are, are quite significant for that. Okay. Okay. A lot of yogis, um, yogis they tend to have a little bit different perspective of yoga in India and the West, but certainly in India when we're looking for a yogi, there's usually some relationship between Mars and Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Um, because Jupiter is giving wisdom to action, essentially, yes. um, and this kind of thing. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking about one of my closest friends, actually. She has Jupiter and Mars conjunct. I can think of lo- a lot of my friends, actually, in the yoga community have either Mars and Jupiter conjunct or at least a strong aspect. And so I'm curious to hear, this is not really going off topic a whole lot, but I'm curious to hear how you got into medical astrology and if you are doing any research right now that you find particularly fascinating in medical astrology. Right now, I'm not really doing any search in the medical astrology. I'm mostly just preparing for the course, which is um, basically going back to a lot of the basics and getting them you know, really getting it all sorted out and organized to, to teach it. Um, but the way I got into it, I studied, um, oh wow, how did I get into it? I studied a lot of acupuncture and a lot of um, different sort of traditional healing um, in India and um, some Thai massage and this kind of thing in Thailand as well. And so through this kind of holistic healing path um, and through yoga and through Ayurveda, then it was just a, a natural branch to get into medical astrology but then I also started to notice um, especially if you know some Ayurveda and some holistic healing once you know a few things about people's medical conditions you can really understand them much deeper Um, so for example you start to see something maybe you see someone in their chart they've got a lot of weight you're seeing a little bit of depression maybe you're seeing some bone problems a little bit and that kind of clues you in. Oh, well, maybe they have a thyroid problem, mm-hmm. right? And so once you start to connect things, which is what a lot of astrologers are doing, the more and more you connect them, the more a lot of them relate with some health imbalance, mm-hmm. right? All the kind of 
kleshas, all the bodies are kind of related to each other. Wow, that's super cool. And so you mentioned, I'm, I'm curious, I know that people who are listening to this are going to hear you say this and then be curious. So I wanna ask you about it. Um, so for fat in the body, of course, Jupiter is associated with fattiness in the body, but where might you see Jupiter and be like, okay, like they may have some like fatty arteries or this is something that they need, they need to be careful with. What are some indicators, would you say? Well, Jupiter essentially, if Jupiter is well-placed, it's going to be good fat in the body. Mm. It's usually if he's taking some aspects, especially by Rahu, he'll get some cholesterol problems as possible. Um, but certainly if Jupiter is in an earthy sign or a watery sign, but you also, I'm also usually looking for a full moon mm. um, because that will bring some plumpness as well. Mm. Uh, these kind of things, I guess. Um, okay. Also, Jupiter is in the sixth house. Mm. A lot of times it doesn't necessarily mean that the person is going to have fat on the body, but they're going to struggle with it a little bit in their lives somehow. Mm. You see it a lot of times in women's charts, mm. and it doesn't necessarily, they might just have a little bit of extra fat on the body, but it's really disruptive to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? They really struggle with that, and it's something they're always kind of coming back to that extra fat on the body. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But again, if Jupiter is well-placed, even in the sixth house, it's going to be good, healthy fat on the body. Mm -hmm. It's, again, some bad aspects on Jupiter where you're going to get some... Maybe there are too much saturated fats or bad oils or this kind of thing. But if they have a really nice exalted Jupiter with nothing, you know, eating ghee, they're have really nice, like I say, nice fat on the board. Okay. Okay. And so with the depression aspect, I'm curious to hear what you found. You said you may see someone with a little bit of depression. And of course, you know, like Saturn can have this, these tendencies, Saturn can bring some anxiety and some depression. I'm curious to hear what configurations you might see to indicate either anxiety, depression, or both. Well, a very common one that I see that doesn't jump out to um, your average astrologer is when the moon is hemmed between two malefics. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a very common one. Usually you're thinking, oh, everything looks good. There's no bad aspects on moon. Why is this person having so many mental problems? But then you look again, you, oh, they're hemmed between malefics. Um, the other thing you can see sometimes is, um, and we've had a lot of this going on in the last few months so, um, through transits, because we've had the Cal Sharp going on. But every two weeks, the moon is crossing that Cal Sharp and becoming isolated between Rahu and Ketu. So it's really that feeling of isolation was really coming through that moon being all alone over there. Wow. Um, no friends, nobody to talk to. The moon is really likes to have some friends close by, right? Um, so these kind of things are some, I guess, alternate sort of um, things that I'll look for. Yeah, that's... That's, that's really good insight. And it's definitely important to remember all of these other little indicators. Um, the Kalasarpa yoga with, you know, I've seen, I've seen charts that do have the Kalasarpa yoga, which is where, for those listening who may not know what that is, it's where all the planets are hemmed on one side of Rahu and Ketu. 
Mike, would you say that for the part of the month that the moon is on the, <laughs> on the other side of the Kalasarpa Yoga with the other planets, we'll almost feel, you know, as, as a global community, less isolated and the world will, will experience a little bit more um, socialization. And when the moon is on the outside of the Kalasarpa Yoga, we may all feel a little bit more isolated and a little bit less in contact with our communities. I think we certainly probably had that uh, every two weeks, you can say, um, had that sort of effect going on. Mm -hmm. um, but with the Kel Sharp, when it's on the Kel Sharp, then it's kind of bringing some confusion mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. But then it breaks that Kel Sharp, that confusion kind of gets broken. But then we're kind of feeling isolated, especially when it gets to that midpoint between that we get to. I think a lot of people really started to feel alone then. Mm. And um, I know myself, I even had some, you know, you can feel these kind of waves of, of different sort of emotions coming and going, sometimes feeling very isolated with people really wanting to connect and other times just feeling overwhelmed, especially by media and by reports and, mm. and everything that's kind of coming in by the media and then maybe breaking away from that and, and kind of feeling kind of alone again. Wow. Yeah, that's super, super interesting. Um, I, now talking about the media, I was actually interested in knowing if you use the outer planets of Pluto, Neptune, and Uranus, or do you stick to the, to the traditional Vedic? I, I really stick to the traditional Vedic stuff. I okay. do look a little bit at the outer planets, um, especially with Corona, for example, the Saturn Pluto, um, being quite close together in the conjunction really had a lot of influence on this as well. Mm. Now we have Saturn going back towards Pluto and everybody's saying, oh my God, we're going to get a second wave. Mm. Um, so by that, it, it seems reasonable that it's possible. Okay. Um, so I look a little bit, but I really, I don't know much about the outer planets. It's not my, my focus. It's a mm. hobby sometimes. Well, if we go back, um, not too many years, even if we go back maybe 20 years ago or something like this, I don't think many Western astrologers were using Rahu and Ketu, um, dragon's head, dragon's tail. And so I think the outer planets were much more important because they give a lot of similar indications as Rahu and Ketu. Mm. Um, but in Vedic astrology, of course, they've been using Rahu and Ketu forever. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of those indications were coming through them. Also, if you if we look just kind of one step deeper into the Vedic astrologer, we get um, we get some other shadowy planets, especially uh, Mandi and Gulika, get used sometimes. You need a quite a good uh, astrology program for them to come up, mm. and then um, and then there's four or five others uh, that also get used occasionally. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's like there's always like more intricacies with Vedic astrology. And something that I share with people is that like people will tend to get really caught up in the divisional charts, which are so important. But something that I always try to tell them, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, is it's like it's all a reiteration of the natal chart. And if you can read the natal chart good enough, you know what I mean? The, the divisional charts can be additions to but you really just need that D1 chart. That's going to give you so much of the information. And so it's kind of, 
going back to, I don't want to say the simplicity of Vedic astrology because Vedic astrology isn't simple, but it's like just using the traditional planets, using the nodes. It's like that can tell you so much information. Yeah, well, there's um, there's that second level in Vedic astrology when you go into the nakshatra mm -hmm. and then you go into the nakshatra pada. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's always another step deeper. Mm -hmm. um, I do find... Uh, I, I use the Navamsha chart quite often, mm -hmm. um, especially, again, especially if someone's asking me a very specific question, um, if they want to know, especially about relationships going to Navamsha chart, um, right? If they want to know about children, we're looking at D7. If they want to know about home, we're looking at D4. Um, so these kind of things. So we do um, career... I always have another look at, um, at, the, at the D10 chart for, but this is again for very, very specific questions. Um, yeah. So on the topic of health, do you ever use the, um, I'm forgetting the number that it is. I want to say it's the D60 chart. Oh, D30 chart. Do you use this chart when analyzing um, for health? No, I don't use a lot of those charts because even D9, if their birth time is out by two minutes, the, the Navamsha chart is also going to be out. Yeah. Um, so then once we get to something like the D30, it's very, I, it's like I don't really trust it. Um, because especially in the West, I don't think people have, have really, they haven't really worked with their astrology chart enough. And I don't think doctors, um, they don't care enough about the, the time um, to really mark down that exact time. Yeah. But really, once you get to D30 and especially D60, you almost, you need almost the second to be correct um, to really work with these charts. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so on the topic of like um, immune system, so kind of going back to something that maybe we can all see in the chart, because I know not everyone has a fancy Parashara's program like I do, you, you may as well. But um, what would you say would constitute like a very strong immune system? Of course, having a strong sun, but what else might you look for? Well, strong ascendant, strong sun, strong moon. Okay. Um, those are really the three keys to good health. Um, Another thing I'm always looking at for good health is some aspect of Jupiter on them mm -hmm. is also really vital for good health and, and strong immunity. Um, so really these, these things are really the keys. The female in Mars, I've, you know, um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I've seen women who have Venus and Mars conjunct in the sixth and they have really terrible menstruation or they'll have like um, ovarian cysts or things like this. And I guess I'm, I'm curious because it's not guaranteed. You know, sometimes um, there are women who have a Venus and Mars conjunct and they're, you know, they don't have any type of menstrual ailments. And so I'm, I'm curious to hear what you've seen that will be much more likely to produce uh, negative results. 
Well, Venus is quite famous, especially in six, but also in the seventh or the eighth house. Any of those three houses with Venus can often give some, some menstrual problems for women. Mm -hmm. um, and Venus in the sixth house for, for anyone, man or woman, um, very often will give some kind of a, a bladder problem or um, sexual or reproductive organs um, can be affected by that Venus in some way. Um, and of course, if you get any Rahu with that Venus also can violate that kind of thing as well. Okay. Um, but Mars in women, um, Mars rules the blood in the body, the red blood cells especially. So Mars rules the um, inner lining of the uterus, right? So when they have the period, that's Mars, right? That bleeding is, is that's Mars, that's the blood. Um, so then you get some debilitations to Mars or, or some, some bad aspects to Mars. Can certainly, uh, especially Mars and Saturn, get these women who sometimes their period really feels stuck and it's not flowing very much. Mm. Um, or if you get some Mars, too much Mars, Jupiter, or a lot of Mars, Moon, um, they can really get that heavy flow um, in their periods. Okay, that would make a lot of that would make a lot of sense. And so for um, for Mercury, I know that Mercury can be like you know, nerves and, well, I mean, I'll just let you, I'll let you say it because I feel like Mercury is something that we haven't touched a lot on. So what do you think Mercury's um, role is in Vedic astrology? Well, Mercury, um, Mercury actually gives, has a lot to do with the skin. Um, so a lot of uh, bad aspects to Mercury will bring some skin problems. Um, but most notably, Mercury in the sixth house will bring some, often some learning uh, disability somehow because he's the mind he's the way we sort information you can say um, mercury I see a lot of um, a lot of these really you say really far out new age spiritualists um, a lot of them have actually they have a debilitated mercury and you hear them talk and they're just talking all these big universal concepts um, and you can barely you can barely even keep up with it sometimes. Um, <laughs> yes. I recently I recently got an email from someone, and I read this email, and it was just all chakras <laughs> this and um, universe that and and just like and all of these and I'm reading this email, and he's trying to explain to me the problems he's having. And I can kind of like, I can pick up on this language fairly well. So I kind of got it. But I remember I looking and I thought, he either has Mercury in Pisces or Ketu in first house. Oh my God. And it turned out he had both. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Yeah, so you get um, Ketu in first house. He brings these really very spiritual, very new agey sort of people, right? Yeah. Definitely. Oh my God. And it's so, you know, it's so funny that you say this because I did a reading the other day for this amazing woman. So sweet, so gifted. 
And she had K2 in the first and Mercury in Pisces. And she was like, I just want to know how I can teach Kundalini to people who are more like grounded. Because I feel like what I'm saying is like way too above their heads and like they don't get it. It's like too like quote unquote woo woo. And so it's so funny that you say that like <laughs> dead on 100%. <laughs> um yeah and so the skin ailments is also super interesting and so a, a rahu and mercury would probably really bring some like rashes or the tendency to get poison ivy poison oak all of that stuff yeah um some mars or some sun with the mercury can bring a lot of like heat more heat rash that kind of thing or heat related rashes yeah so interesting so um, talking a little bit about the houses, because of course the planets have these associations and then the, the signs have some associations to body parts. I feel like that the houses are something that are swept under the rug a little bit more. Well, they're actually quite important, especially if you're looking um, quite often, if you see say Mars and Ketu are together or Mars and Ketu are both aspecting one house together, mm -hmm. there's a very good chance they're gonna have surgery on an organ related to that house. They're gonna get a scar, they're gonna, Ketu will numb and Mars will cut, right? So when they get a Mars Ketu, a Ketu Mars period, something like that, um, some kind of surgery is often likely. Okay. And usually in the body part um, of either the house or there's another way, because generally if we, if we look at the house, you have head and areas in the face and the, the neck in Taurus, and then the upper sort of chest and arms, um, the chest and cancer, the solar plexus um, area, and down, right? And then you get to uh, the legs, um, the hips, and, and uh, Sagittarius, and down to the feet, the Pisces. Um, so a lot of times if you get this, um, especially say a debilitated Jupiter, or maybe with Mars and Ketu aspecting in, in the fifth house, well, this is liver problems by Jupiter, and then you have some cut happening in that area. So you can almost guarantee some kind of liver surgery mm. and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, this can be a little bit tricky because actually, this is where I use the Dekarna chart, or the De maybe not the Dekarna chart, but to know the Dekarna of the Ascendant. Because you have, um, Dekarna is kind of breaks the, the houses up into three parts. And so especially the ascendant degree, if it's one to 10 or 10 to 20 or 20 to 30, then the whole chart can come one to 10, it represents kind of the head, the whole chart represents the head area. From 10 to 20, it represents the, the torso area. And 20 to 30, it represents the legs. So if they have a, um, yeah, depending if they have a very low um, five or three degrees ascendant, then that, um, that fifth house might come to represent the cheek, right? And so especially then if they have some Saturn in the second house giving some tooth problems, mm -hmm. then you might think, oh, maybe they're going to get dental surgery. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Wow. I mean, that definitely takes it to the other level, talking about the degree points and kind of mapping it out that way. It, it certainly is going to give you much more of a specific analysis. It's very tricky whether or not to use that or just use the chart, though. Oh, um, yeah. You really, again, you have to know 
and this is, you can say, my failing in medical astrology and the most difficult part about medical astrology, it's not the astrology side. I know the astrology side very well, but sometimes I just don't understand enough about pathology um, or these kind of things. So you really have to know the medical side as well. Mm -hmm. um, so looking at the astrology, if you have a sense that, oh, they're going to have this kind of problem, mm -hmm. then you can kind of get a sense of which way to look at the chart to s see how that might work out. Okay. Okay. So um, I'm curious to ask you, first of all, thank you. That's awesome. Um, I've So I've heard a few different things with medical astrology, and I found both to be true. I mean, I've definitely seen both, but because I have a professional, I'm going to ask you. Um, the 10th house is typically seen as like the knees and the knee area. The 11th house is like, you know, the lower leg and the ankle. 12th house can be like the feet, but then the 12th house can also be like the left eye and the left ear. 11th house can be like the left shoulder, left arm. Um, what, what do you think about this? Does that sound accurate to you? Is there anything that I'm missing or anything that I should add on to that? No, this is certainly another way of looking at that okay um so that's kind of three ways of, of looking at the houses um for what they what they signify the ears are usually in the third or the 11th the okay. eyes are in the second and, and 12th okay. um but then if we're looking at the left or the right eye and this again it gets difficult because then we also need to look at the sun and the moon Mm -hmm. um, and the male, I believe it is, the sun rolls the right eye, moon rolls left, and the female, that's reversed. Um, so if you're looking at one eye or the other, you want to look at whether the sun or the moon and that house signifying the eye also. Okay. Um, and the second house rolls the eyes in general. Yes, and the teeth. I know this very well. Yeah, the twelfth is in the feet. Legs are also kind of tricky as well, um, because I've seen sometimes the tenth house seems to represent the whole lower leg, okay, um, and things like this. So, so it gets a little, um, a little tricky. I have hearing problems myself, right? So I can see this in my my third and my eleventh. Okay. Okay. And, yeah, no, it's, it's just funny that you say that because we always become experts at the things we experience, you know? And so it's like, I've, I've had teeth issues my entire life. And so I'm like, I know the teeth. I can tell when you're going to have teeth problems. It's just, you, you'll be a master at what you know, that's for sure. But um, I had another question for you. Oh, the brain. So the brain is often said to be the sun and mercury. What do you think? The, the brain. Yeah. Well, the brain is, um, it can be Aries. Okay. The brain, um, and since Mars is the ruler of Aries, you can sometimes look at Mars. Mm -hmm. um, so these kind of things, um, again, it's tricky because the brain or different levels of the mind, the thinking is a lot of mercury, right? So that emotional mind, the mind itself is the moon. Um, yeah, so it's, 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 again, quite, quite tricky. Okay. That's kind of trickier. All right. What are your biggest questions that you receive for medical astrology? Like what do people generally come to you with? Have you found? 
or is it just all across the board? Um, to be honest, one of the most common, and, and maybe it's because I, I'm in India and a lot of people here, I get a lot of, uh, a lot of liver problems. Oh. Um, and I think in India, one of the reasons is, is because a lot of the street foods are using very low quality oils. Oh. And I also came to suspect because um, I've had some people that were like, I can't get a liver problem. I'm eating healthy. I don't drink. I don't do anything. But they're traveling. And as they're traveling, I've come to suspect that just living off bottled water can have a bad effect on the liver. Wow. Um, and this is just kind of by antidotal evidence. I have nothing to back me up on this. Mm -hmm. um, so I've often told people who are traveling long terms to either, I'm accustomed to local waters in a lot of places in India, so it's not a problem, but to find some higher quality mineral waters sometimes. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I, I don't want to get like too far out about this, but I feel like when, when the plastic heats up also, like a lot of chemicals are released into the water, people have got to be careful with that. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if what you're saying is valid. Yeah, essentially it's dead water. It has no prana, it has no life in it. Yeah, yeah, okay. And um, I had another question to, oh, I wanted to mention earlier because I don't want somebody who's listening to this podcast to get freaked out about the Mars and K2 aspect. And so um, there would need to be a few different indicators. If somebody has Mars and K2 aspecting the same house, there are other indicators that you would need that are going to suggest surgery. Well, you have to look at what organs or things like that are represented in that house and find the indicators. Like I said, for, for the liver example, you need that debilitated Jupiter. You need that kind of those aspects going there as well. You need that correct dasha period. Yeah. Um, you need a lot of things really to line up. Okay. Um, and it can be tricky because you're going to see a Mars Ketu period. You need quite a strong, for a surgery or something, you need a very strong Mars Ketu period. Okay. Um, but sometimes even it doesn't come in the Mars Ketu period, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes it comes in the Jupiter Mars Ketu period, mm -hmm. right? So you need to really, you need to really, if you're worried, talk to a professional astrologer. Yes. Right? Don't let and if it you think, if you think that you have liver problems now, go to the doctor. <laughs> Forget your astrologer. Go see the doctor. <laughs> I, I'm so happy that you said that. I agree. I actually have a silly story. So I, I am a hypochondriac, okay, and I have had several teeth issues, and I had to go to, um, I had to get bone grafting, and before my surgery, I went to my most trusted astrologer, and I was asking him, like, when the best time would be, and we sat there for an hour, and he was looking at my chart, he was picking out the best days, and then he's like, well, which doctor are you seeing? And I told him which doctor I was seeing. And it's like one of the best, one of the best doctors in Austin. He's like, oh my God. He's like, why did you get an astrology reading? This guy has his own astrology. Like, don't worry, go any day. You'll be fine. <laughs> and so it was just this moment of clarity of like, sometimes we just need to make really good decisions. <laughs> like, like the astrology yep. is so supportive and like being real about things as well. Like don't get too swept away by it. I'm really fortunate, uh, really fortunate uh, in India mm -hmm. because 
the hospitals and the medical system and that is a little bit more open. I can go and I can tell them I'm an acupuncturist and they buy it. So I've had sometimes some clients by astrology where I'm like, I think you have a problem. You need to go to the hospital. And they're not really familiar with the area. So I literally take them to the hospital. We go in. I say, I'm this man's acupuncturist. He needs this test. He needs this test. He needs this test. They don't even bother sending to the doctor first. They just go straight to the lab. They do the blood work. They tell them the problem. It's beautiful. I really, um, it's so easy here. From America, like, I just love that. It sounds like a dream come true. And so you're you're an astrologer and a case manager. <laughs> I do what I can, right? You can add that to your website of credentials. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. So I've, I've kept you for almost an hour. I feel like there's this topic is so incredibly vast. I feel like I can just keep going with it. Um, I think that I have... I think that I have one more question for you. Is that okay? Yeah, please. So what about what about the debilitated planets? Like let's use um, a debilitated Mars, for example, because there are people who have a debilitated Mars and you know there are cancellations in the chart or in the D9, but the Mars is still technically debilitated. And I, I guess I'm just curious if there's any insight that you have to debilitated Mars, what types of injuries or health issues it may bring up and I guess just how to look at it um, including the cancellations like how much of an impact the cancellation is going to have on people's health if there is one well for example um, and it's funny how many charts I see like this where moon and mars are both debilitated but they're in each other's signs um and it seems a lot of them have it in like first and fifth or first and ninth or in the trines like this. Um, so that really does a lot to cancel it. Again, if um, Mars debilitated, it's debilitated in cancer for those that don't know. And so if Moon is in its also in cancer or if that'll give a lot of aggression, you can say, but it won't give the same kind of triggers to the flight or flight system. It won't give the same um, adrenal fatigue um, that might come with uh, moon in a, in a, in a less um, auspicious placement, you can say. Mm-hmm. And so these kind of things, um, really when a planet's debilitated, but the ruler, and we need to know that for any planet, any planet any um, in any house can only give results as strong as the planet who owns that house so we always have to know what that planet is doing as well mm-hmm. okay it becomes very very important okay perfect super interesting is there anything that you want to add do you want to talk about your class a little bit as well that you have coming up at the end of june well maybe i'll just uh, mention to people i have a um, i'm calling it a, f- a fundamental level course for vedic astrology but it's going to be six months long. We'll meet on Zoom once a week for a couple hours. Um, we're going to go over everything, medical astrology, um, career astrology, relationship astrology. I'm going to cover Ayurveda, a lot of mantras, a lot of myths. Um, I came to astrology through philosophy. So there's going to be a lot of philosophy in the course. 
Um, I follow a Kashmiri Shaivism, so it's going to be really borrowing a lot from that. Um, I expect it's going to be a very unique course. It's going to be very interesting. I'm expecting to have a lot of fun teaching it. Uh, <laughs> and there's still a few places left, so um, yeah. anyone can, can contact me. Mike Sleeping Dog, if you just Google that, you'll find me. Yeah, yeah. MySleepingDog.com, and then if you go to my Instagram, for those listening, if you just type in Mike Sleeping Dog and the people I follow, it'll pop up. Yeah, even like I say, if you just Google Mike Sleeping Dog, mm -hmm. I come up all over the place. Okay, perfect. So, yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much for being on once again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, thanks for having me again. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun talking with you. It's always a good time. Thank you so much. Wonderful. I will talk to you soon. Certainly. Okay, bye. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Again, I hope that you enjoyed this segment and I hope that you learned something new. I am putting Mike Holiday's contact information in the show notes. And of course, if you would like to contact me, you can email me at astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com. Visit my website, innerknowing.yoga. Follow me on Instagram, astrologynow underscore podcast, and on Twitter, astrologynow underscore. And if you are interested in becoming a patron, I have a new Patreon account. And by becoming a patron, you will get weekly horoscopes for each of the 12 zodiac signs, along with other blogs and audio files and videos and more to come in the future because it's a very new platform, but I have a lot of ideas for it. So if you like Astrology Now content and you would like more of it, that might be a good place for you. So again, my name is Christine Rodriguez with the special guest, Mike Holiday. This is Astrology Now podcast. Thank you so much.